0: Well, this week we're going to be uh, reading all the way through Acts, and so uh, I've been doing things at the end, so wherever we've been on Saturday or Sunday, which will probably end I think in 1 Corinthians, but uh, since next week we're going to end our reading, I thought I would just speak on Acts chapter 1, and then from here on out, we'll finish up the reading next week, and then the following Sunday, uh, maybe we'll just continue in Acts for a little bit. And part of the reason why I've been thinking that is that, you know, when we first went into these Zoom services, I can't remember what happened if we started reading through the Bible before or right about that time, but uh, it just coincided that we started the Zoom services. And as a church, we've started reading through the Bible. And again, now don't feel bad if you, you know, are behind or there's no such thing as behind. We're just sort of taking it week by week. Here's the chapters the the books that we're reading and wherever you can jump in and whatever what in whatever way uh that's great but uh i don't think we've ever had as many people in the church reading through the bible at the same time and it's a, a good thing for us because uh this zoom service has lasted a lot longer than a lot of us Uh, had ever thought it would. In fact, this whole COVID crisis has lasted longer than we thought it would. And I I think everybody just sort of viewed it as here's a bump in the road and then we'll go right back to whatever it was that we were going back to. And it's becoming more and more clear that uh, something's changing and we're not sure what's going to happen and we're not sure if anything is going to go back to the way it is, or we're not sure what anything is going to look like. And that affects us in our daily lives. But it also affects us as we think about who we are as a church and what is it that God is doing for us as a church. And in terms of us as a church, this is actually a very unique opportunity that the Lord has given us to start thinking about what is the church that God's given us? What is it that we have in our hearts? What is it that God might be doing that's new for us? And as we look for guidance and think through that and we come at things with that perspective, there's no better place to start with that than to just be reading through the Bible and seeing what it is that God was doing with people throughout time. It's a much better place to look than to look over at this place or this place or to read some book that this person read about this church or that church. The best place to start is just reading through the Bible, seeing from a fresh perspective, maybe how is it that God has been interacting with people. And, and as we get into Acts, it even gets more specific because what's being introduced here at the beginning of Acts is uh, Luke who wrote the gospel of Luke and, and and then wrote this second book, Acts, Uh, what he's talking about is how something is fundamentally different. That from the beginning of time, people have been worshiping God. From the beginning of time, people have been talking and interacting with God. From the beginning of time, groups of people have been gathering. People have been praying. People have been seeing miraculous things. People have been looking at scripture and looking at these stories uh, that have happened uh, throughout Mm -hmm. history but that because of something that Luke calls the baptism of the holy spirit that there's something that he says is fundamental this it leads all the way up to John the Baptist coming Jesus being born Jesus coming all the things that Jesus said and did the miracles everything that Jesus was doing to Jesus being killed on the cross Jesus raising being risen from the dead, and then Jesus, as he says here, walking around for 40 days, talking and doing different things, and then him going up into heaven. And then from that point, there's this small point of waiting to for what there is talked about here as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what he's saying is that this fundamentally changes everything. And what is it exactly that this baptism of the Holy Spirit is? That's a great place for us to start as a church as we're thinking what new things God might be doing. uh, What track might the Lord be taking us? It it would be a good thing, and this is where Luke starts with uh, this guy, Theophilus, in explaining Uh, Not just Jesus, but then also how Jesus established the church and what's happening with the church, and he begins by helping him to see how this idea of the Holy Spirit works, and in particular, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And and so uh, that's what we're going to look at today, just the first 12 verses, and it's not a, a complete take on the Holy Spirit or a complete take on everything that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it sets the framework for us to now look at all the things that happen in the light of what is this, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. Uh, The began has a sense of uh, not just begin, but the beginning of a reign, commencing of a reign. So it's all the things that Jesus did to start his kingdom and to sort of lay the foundation for what it is that we see now uh, coming out in Acts as the church. And it's all based on things that Jesus taught and Jesus did. And it says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them with many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared over 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Oftentimes when we think about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the result of our thought or the result of our discussions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit ends up being this odd sense of we're missing out on something. And, that's there. When if you were to look, it's written to this guy who's just read through everything that Jesus did, and he's alive at the time that Jesus was alive. And so here was Jesus. He could have gone and participated. He just didn't. Maybe didn't know. We don't know anything about this guy. But all we know is he's just read everything about uh, Jesus and the disciples and all these things. And. There has to be a sense, because there's even a sense for me when I read sort of, man, it would have been great to have been there. And I can read it and agree with it, but there's also this sense of somehow missing out. This sense of, especially if you were alive back when Jesus was alive, there would have been a sense of, man, I just missed out. And Luke is writing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to counter that feeling, to say, no, you haven't missed out on anything. This is just to explain to you what's open to us, not what we've missed out on. And part of the reason why we feel like we're missing out on something every time we bring up the baptism of the Holy Spirit is because we read things like this where it says many convincing proofs, and we think in our minds, and almost every time I've heard this verse referenced, uh, it's been... To reference that we're kind of missing out because there should be different people being healed. There should be blind receiving sight. There should be. It looks like when we read through the Gospels that every time that Jesus, there wasn't any case when it, it wasn't. We feel like we we just feel like everybody that came to Jesus was healed instantly and. and Maybe we see that a little bit going on, but it just doesn't seem like it's the same. And so there's this sense of missing out, because we just keep thinking of these great things. And and there's also, along with that sense of missing out, sometimes a sense of judgment, where we're looking, we're saying, this is how the gospel needs to go out, that if these miraculous things are happening, that, that someone was dead, and then they were made alive— then that would be a convincing proof. And then people would be able to believe that it's sort of a block to people can't believe because we're just messing things up and we're not activating or we're not connecting to, or we're not wanting to, or we don't have enough faith in, in this baptism of the Holy Spirit because if the baptism of the Holy Spirit was here. Then people would be healed. There would be, people would be raised from the dead. There would be, the blind receiving sight, there would be all these things, and, and, and then there would be this convincing of people. And uh, in a sense, there's truth to that, but only in the sense that, yes, every what Luke is saying here is everything that we read about Jesus and the disciples is available to us, including all parting of the Jesus, even says you could say to this mountain, Be cast in the sea, even the parting of the Red Sea that we hear about with Moses is available to us. So, there is a sense that this is true that the baptism of the Holy Spirit means great, great things, just completely crazy things. But we need to remember that none of those things actually ended up convincing anybody. When we read through the Old Testament and we read about all the things, the parting of the Red Sea, all the plagues and everything, Israel walked in all those miraculous things and completely disbelieved to the entire time. They didn't come any closer to a belief in Jesus and a belief in the message of forgiveness. Jesus, all the wonderful things that Jesus did, The crowd still yelled, crucify him, crucify him at the end. But the point of all of these things, everything is available to us. There's nothing that you read in the Bible that is now, okay, that can't ever happen again. The baptism of the Holy Spirit absolutely 100% means that anything of any scale— a mountain thrown into the sea, is available to us. It does mean that. But it's important to understand what it is that Luke is talking about here because he says, many convincing proofs that he was alive— and he's referencing a book that he had previously written, and he's referencing a specific time in that book that he's talking about, the time when Jesus has risen from the dead, and then he was walking around. And the last chapter of Luke talks about that time. And so he's pointing us, pointing Theophilus, to that last chapter of Luke to look at it that in understanding uh He's putting a contrast here that, in order for us to understand the real benefit of this baptism of the Holy Spirit, look at this period of time, this last chapter of Luke, and look specifically at what it was that I brought out here that you know people stated as their uh, uh, you know their eyewitness account that what they said convinced them that Jesus was alive. And so just turn over to Luke 24 for a second. And you'll see the it's about uh, Jesus on the road to Emmaus and uh, some two people or a couple people are walking and Jesus shows up. But, but what is it that convinced them that Jesus was alive? Luke says, look at that specifically. It says, they asked each other, verse 32, after this whole thing, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and opening up Scripture to us? The miraculous thing that Luke points to, that's one of the many convincing proofs, is a moment when we don't know that it's Jesus talking to us. But that scripture is being explained by someone and then we come to realize our hearts inside of us there's this burning and we come to start to realize that this is jesus talking to us this is what has been happening in the church since day one this is one of the important things that that happened and it's happened every day in every church it's not you you can't really say oh this church has it and that church has it. this church a big church has it a small church doesn't uh, charismatic this or this however we try this this is just a standard everyday thing and hopefully you've experienced that it's what we're hoping for uh, you know it, there's no reason why a Zoom service holds us from that <laughs> but it's this moment when someone like me is preaching from the scripture from a passage. And the people hearing, instead of just hearing me, blah blah blah, or hearing some funny story, or hearing some sort of, you know, whatever, that that's not what happens. What happens is, is, it's this moment when something in your heart it starts to burn, or you just start to feel this sense that you're being talked to, that what's being said is being directed at you, and you don't have to be in very many services and have very many sermons. It's not that, you know, it necessarily happens every time, but it's been happening, and that's what we're looking for. And what's the the next thing that he says? If you just look a few verses later, they said, it is true, the Lord has written and has appeared to Simon, and then it says, the two told what happened to them on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them, when he broke the bread. And this was just him breaking bread, but it was also symbolic of taking communion. And so a simple thing like taking communion can be very powerful. And many people have come to Jesus over the taking of communion. And and I've realized, you know, we, we need to do something. We need to start taking communion in the Zoom service. I was really convicted of that this week. I, initially, we thought about it. We got, man, we should probably start taking, I think after it had been about a month on the Zoom services, we started thinking, well, we need to, you know, we've been in the habit of taking communion. What are we going to do? And we had a little bit of a fear that like, well, if we tell people, you know, maybe bring some, some juice, some some bread or something like that and do it that there's going to be a lot of people that just aren't going to remember to do it or aren't going to hear about it. And so we're going to end up taking communion, but only a small portion of the people will, and and other people will be left out and there's this fear of people being left out. And so we just thought, well, let's just wait till things get back to the way they were and then everybody can participate. But now I'm starting to think, well, maybe we just need to uh, just start doing it. (laughs) And we have that fear, but just pray that the Holy Spirit makes it so that people aren't left out. And one of the things I was thinking of, I haven't really talked to anybody about it because I've been mulling it in my head just this past day of maybe we just start next week, everyone bring, you know, whatever it is they want. If you want a little bit of grape juice, get a little thing of grape juice. If you want some, White grape juice or clear grape juice so that kids don't spill it all over and stain things. That's great, too. Maybe you want to just go like with the classic and, you know, as Jesus, get an actual thing of wine. There's a lot of freedom in being able to do Zoom and do communion this way. You pick whatever it is. If you have a a gluttony allergy, you know, you can pick some sort of cracker or bread that has it, you know, maybe you do sourdough. Maybe you do rye. I I don't know. Maybe you do unleavened. Maybe you do a cracker. It doesn't matter. Let's find something that can remind us of the cup that Jesus supped from, something for us to hold on to that's the bread that Jesus broke. And next week, just bring something. And, and the purpose of this, it says, is to remember Jesus. And, and so I thought maybe, you know, some people may forget, but, but whoever's there, we can remember Jesus and we can partake in that. And so I thought maybe what we do is just next week we'll have in the service, we'll have this, like it says, scripture, we'll have music, we'll have prayer, we'll have announcements. And then after that, at the end, we'll just have a little bit of time. And I know that remember Jesus means to remember his body and his blood and to remember the sacrifice he does. But, but it's not just that it's just, It's in a very general sense to just remember Jesus, as simple as that. And so I was thinking maybe next week we will just open it up as we have, and everyone can just say a little short line, one, two sentences, of something that they remember about Jesus. It could be we've just read through the Gospels. could be something that you remember in the Gospels. It could be something that was brought out that you remembered in the Old Testament, something that we read that, that Paul writes. It, it could also just be something that Jesus has done for you that week, but just something, and we can just go around and just remember Jesus together. And then those that have it will, I'll have a little bit of time of sort of instituting these elements and we can partake together. And, and then I thought people can join in, but then also maybe we just do this for a while every week. And I don't know, other people may say that's not a good idea. Well, we'll see, I'll let everyone, I'll hear from everyone in here. But, but we'll let you know on, on uh, the weekly email. And if you're not on the weekly email, please just uh, text your email address, uh, either on here or uh, to Andrew or I or BK or anybody, and we'll get you on that list. But I thought if we just start taking communion maybe every Sunday— like we did not too long ago, maybe four or five years ago, just take it every Sunday. Then people will kind of catch on and less and less people will be left out. Anyways, that was probably way too much on that aspect. Uh, What's the other thing that's there? It says, why are you troubled? Verse uh, 38, why do you, why did doubts rise in your mind? Again, talking about many convincing proofs, to those that were having trouble believing that he was alive, which is his disciples. <laughs> he says, why do you have doubts? And he says, look at my hands and my feet. It is, it is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Jesus was pointing to the wounds that he had on his hands and feet, I think. And if not just the physicalness of who he was a miraculous thing of just being able to touch each other, share with each other the, wo- the wounds that we have or, or, or whatever. And then he even says, and he showed them his hands and his feet, and, and while they still did not believe it, but this time it says they didn't believe it because they were just so sad. It says they, they just couldn't believe it because of their joy and their amazement. They were having trouble believing because it was almost just too good to be true. <laughs> And most of what you know we hear about Jesus and about the gospel, some of it is just we can't believe it because of fear. But but after a while it gets it's like hard to believe because it's just too good to be true. And Jesus says, Do you got anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. What what are the amazing you know things? That Jesus did that convinced people that he was alive. He showed up and people's hearts started burning when they heard Scripture, him being talked, explained from Scripture. The amazing thing was when he just broke bread, like we do with communion. The amazing thing was when he just sat down and, and shared who he was with them. The, the amazing thing was when he just ate a piece of bread to go or ate a piece of fish together. In other words, the many convincing proofs, at least all that, that Luke, it doesn't mean that he didn't do miracles. He most certainly did. But the ones that Luke is referring to here are these that are very simple, simple things, but ended up being a convincing truth. In other words, they ended up being life-changing And what he's pointing out there is that to that feeling that we have of missing out, that part of the reason why we're feeling like we're missing out on something, and even with this COVID thing and us doing the service on Zoom, we probably all feel at least a little bit we're missing out on something. But part of the reason why we're feeling that missing out on is because we don't understand what this, Joy or this amazement that what's too good to be true concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what that is that's too good to be true concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just that we're capable of taking this mountain and just saying cast into the sea, like something super powerful. The amazing thing that's too good to be true is that even the simplest, most basic things, just eating a piece of fish with someone because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it can be as life-changing as if someone had seen someone risen from the dead. In other words, the things that are most life-changing are not the big, blown-out, powerful things. Because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all the simple, what you might even say mundane things, are just relational things that come up. are open to, and because of the Holy Spirit, not because of the act itself, but because of the Holy Spirit being tied to it, it is the most life-changing thing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that we now have acts that are life-changing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit means the Holy Spirit is coming behind everything, big and small. The Holy Spirit is coming behind the smallest of the most insignificant of things to bring power and life-changing force into people's lives. And so for us, there's no reason to feel like we're missing out because the big things that we read about in the Bible, those were not necessarily the most life-changing things. Those were not necessarily the biggest things in the kingdom of heaven. They were not necessarily the things that brought people to believe in Jesus. They, some of it, if the Holy Spirit is there behind it, then it does. It's not a denial of those things. It's not saying those things aren't important, but those things are only as important as whatever else the Holy Spirit is doing. And it turns out that a lot of what the Holy Spirit is doing is things that we just pass by on because we just, it's too good to be true. We're still clinging to the power of the act rather than the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the gift rather than the power of the Holy Spirit. He's saying just focus on the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to make you tying your shoelaces a life-changing thing. And if you start looking at it like that, you'll be surprised at how many just normal things end up being something that is that brings people to Jesus. Now, uh, what else is it about the Holy Spirit? He, he brings this up, He there's a contrast here when he says in verse five, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a difficulty with this translation because there's a, a word, uh, a few words, the way that this is framed, it's something that's called, it's untranslatable. In other words, uh, there's like a, a word in the Greek, but there's really just no English word that it can be translated into. It's just it's a concept that isn't encapsulated within a word in the English language. So they call that untranslatable. It doesn't mean that you can't understand what it says. It just means that in order to convey what this is, you would have to explain it. You would have to put like multiple words in there and that's difficult with the translation to put multiple because then those multiple words you add in to explain it are all sort of subjective and may or may not be what God's saying. But, But what the concept is, is that he's introducing a thought, baptism with water or John baptizing with water. He's introducing a thought and he's introducing that thought in such a way that it highlights this contrast with another thought that he brings up. And by it highlighting that contrast, by you seeing that it's not this, but this, that that tells us what this is. So he's, he's telling us what baptism in the Holy Spirit is by how it contrasts this. And part of the reason why it's hard for us to see how it contrasts, we can see some differences between water water and the Holy Spirit, and that water is maybe static, it's a symbol of, the Holy Spirit is living and active. Those things are true. But, but within the text, there's highlighted there a contrast. And there's this one word there that's, uh, the word is in. Now, you know, if you were to like transliterate, it would be like E-N. But the meaning is in, like I-N for us. And it means that, in. And that contrast is lost when we translate it with water, with Holy Spirit. With this, with this. There doesn't seem to be a contrast there, and so it's hard for us to see. With this, with this. But that's not the way it is in the text. There is no with this, with this. It's that the the, the sense of the word implies with, but it's just this water and the sense implies with. But with the Holy Spirit, there's this word in. In other words, what's different about it is that the Holy Spirit is about us being in this um again if you if you look at maybe the context of the story someone's reading through the gospel and they were alive at the time of jesus and and your natural thought would probably be man i wish i could have been in this story (laughs) i wish i could have been there it would have been great if i could have been in this story john's saying no no the holy spirit the baptism of the holy spirit means that we are in the story. <laughs> what he's saying is the good news that's so good that it's, it's almost like too, we, we just, it's hard to believe it. But it means that we don't just have to read through the Bible stories and see it and agree with it and kind of wish that we could be in it. He's saying... The Holy Spirit means that we are in it. The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is given to everyone that believes in Jesus. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is given to every church that believes in Jesus. And and over the course of time, and, and we as a church, and we as people and individuals, he's saying that the invitation, the option is for us to be in it. In other words, it's not just looking out and seeing what great things might be happening over here, what great things might be happening over here, and wishing that we could be in that. And as we think about the church, thinking about all these great things and, and how we want to be in it, he's saying that's not what it is. What it is, is that every little thing can be huge because of the Holy Spirit, and we are in it. And it's just a perspective change that we need to take a hold of. That church, it's not just about us watching something on YouTube or us watching something on Zoom and then coming to agree with it. If that's where we are, that's fine. That's a great starting point. That's where this guy is. But what Luke is trying to encourage us to is there's a greater joy than that. There's something more even than just that, that, that sense of seeing it and agreeing it. And what that more is, is we have available to us, if we so choose to realize, to see, to set our hopes on that we are in this. That if the baptism of the Holy Spirit is true, if it is here, then what that means is we are in the story. Now, the last thing, Why is it sometimes we feel like we're missing out? Why is it sometimes we just feel like we're watching from the outside and we're not in? Part of it is, is we're looking at only big things and we're only looking at big things because we're looking at it from a skewed perspective that we should be looking at the small things that are happening, including big things and small, not just exclusively small. But we've taken that from our sight We've started to just think of it as something that we just sort of look at, something we just sort of participate in by agreeing, instead of realizing, no, we are in this. And then the third thing that he talks about that's the problem for us as a church and us as individuals, he says, they gathered around him and asked, this is again this contrast principle. Lord, are you at this time going to restore or to set back up, as it was before, the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's putting up a contrast there to understand that here's what's being offered, and you can understand what's being offered by him, this contrast or this denial of the question that they ask. And the question says, in short is when are things going to get back to the way they were? That was super convicting to me. You can see why I was talking about that earlier. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I am looking forward to all the things that God is going to do, but I'm thinking about it within this weird box that I put God in of, like, how is this all going to affect things when we get back into the chapel that we were at and start singing and doing things as we were, when everything gets sort of set back up the way that it was, how is this going to affect things? That's how they were there. And he says, that's not where we're going to see the, the work of the Holy Spirit. That the hope that goes along with waiting for, they were waiting for, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God in doing something, and they were connecting that or they thought they were waiting, and part of what they were waiting for was for things to get set back up again, like we would think with this coronavirus thing. But he says that's not where you're going to find it. Where you're going to find it is in the power of the Holy Spirit in the way that things have changed so that Things are more accessible now to everyone. And so that it's not just about this localized thing, but now it's the way it's opened up in such a way that it can go out to all the ends of the earth. And if you think about us as a church and how that might relate with us with this coronavirus and with this Zoom service, we, I mean, it's easy for us to see that a Zoom service is actually much more accessible to people around there, people can come in and access in, another, in the Antarctic if they want. I don't know, maybe not there. They may—I'm sure they have internet there, wherever the internet is. You know, even then, you may not. You could maybe download a YouTube and participate. You know, God has changed things for us in such a way that opens up the whole world to what it is that's happening, and we say, "Well." Yeah, but what's opened up, it's not as good. It's not as powerful. If we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it is. If the Holy Spirit is here, then it's going to be just as powerful, just as life-changing to us when we were in this little chapel as it would be, if not even more. But what is clear, or what is not clear, he says, is stop thinking about everything going back to the way it was. Just think about what God's opening up to us, what new things God is opening back up. And there's definitely an opportunity for us with this to think about it in a sense where some of us may move to Alabama. Some of us might move to Australia or China or like Russia or something, and we can still access the fellowship of this body. that's here. And and who knows? There's lots of people in the church we're a small church, but we have a high percentage of people that speak other languages. Maybe we might add something to it, see where the Holy Spirit leads us. Those are the types of things that we want to be thinking through. As God opens people's hearts and opens up our access to people and changes our format in things, it's worthwhile for us to think about how might this open up to something bigger and not bigger in a sense of just this metropolis of a church, but how just us doing the simple things that we're doing might become accessible to people all over the world. And he says after this, this is the last part, he was taken up from their very eyes after a cloud hid him from their sight. The idea is Jesus was lifted up into the heavens, and as he was going up, there were some clouds up there, and he sort of passed, and that sort of obscured the sight. And, and it says that they were uh, looking intently up at the sky as he was going, and suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them and said, Men of Galilee, they said, Why, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who, who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. It's a redirection of our hopes. We, sometimes we have something special, and they had something very special with Jesus that was there, and they're holding to that that's special. And, and the idea that's in the back of their mind is setting things back up, and in what way is it going to be set back up to sort of— and there's a certain sense of security that we have in holding to the way what we had before— and he says, the reason why we're holding to it, part of it is, is that sense of security, uh, of just sort of that safety in what we had. He says, that safety, that security, that, that, that's actually going to be here when Jesus comes back. Then we'll have that. But this, for right now, is not about that. It's not about clinging to all the stories that we had. You know, you know maybe I was a drug dealer and then I came to Jesus. And now I'm 50 years old, and that's been my story for 30 years? That's the only story I'm ever going to tell? Or this is our church, and we're talking about things that have happened 10, 20 years ago? It's not that remembrance is not important. Remembrance is a huge part of the Bible, in remembering what God has done so that we will have faith in what God is going to do in the future. But the point of it is isn't to just be dwelling on all that happened and how wonderful this was here or how wonderful this was back then and and how we've blown up these images of things. The point is that if we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the very small things are powerful. If we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are in this together. We're in this story. If we are baptized in in the Holy Spirit, there's no sense to be just longing about and talking about things of old. It's to set our hope on what new thing the Holy Spirit is doing today. We haven't missed out on anything. We don't need to long for whatever it is. We're in this, and this story is continuing forward, and there's going to be a great chapter tomorrow. And he's saying, be looking for that, and be in that chapter. And know that that chapter isn't necessarily about the things that everyone else is blowing out. It's about the day-to-day things that we do that the Holy Spirit makes powerful and life-changing. Well, let's pray. Jesus, we uh, just thank you for this promise uh, of the Holy Spirit to us as individuals, this promise of the Holy Spirit to us as a church And, Lord, help us to to not get distracted, to think about all the easy, simple things that that we can do. It's easy to just say hi to a neighbor. it's, It's easy, Lord. You've made it easy for us with this Zoom service to just invite people. You've made it easier for us to call people. You've made it easier for us to reach out to friends, family, people that we know. Uh, as a church throughout the whole world, help us to see those small things that you can, that you desire to turn into big things. That you are going to turn into big things. Help us to grab a hold of us being in this story, in it together, and help us to to take joy in the new things that you're bringing, the new chapter that you're unfolding. Uh, This next few days, this next few weeks, this next year, help us to be excited about it because of the Holy Spirit. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.